reading from uh, 2 Timothy this morning, church. And you're going to like this one. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? How would you turn to the person next to you and tell them a sermon title today? It's, What Am I Letting In? What am I letting in? What am I letting in? What are you letting in? Close enough. (laughs) So good. Lord, we pray today that you would speak to us this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that you would use this word to better us. Father, that you would help us be better followers of you so that we can be a move of you. Lord, come and build your church. Your church is here. Your church is here. And we are ready to be built. Father, come and move this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat, church. You can grab a seat. Wowie. Thanks, band. You guys are amazing. Huge hello to everyone online joining us this morning. Welcome. It's great to have you with us as well. And all of our visitors in the room. I know there's heaps of new people here, which is amazing. Whether you're traveling through or you're checking out C3 as a place you can call home, then you are most welcome. It's amazing to have you here. And Beck, so good to have you back in the house, man. We've missed you so much. So cool. So cool. My name is Pastor Brad. If I haven't met you before, my wife Jackie and I are the lead pastors here at C3. And it is an honor to have you here this morning in our house. So, man, this week I have, well, just lately, to be honest, I've been really trying to stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit with my messages in the past few weeks. And, you know, I think as long as he will allow it, that's where we should be. And this week has certainly done that. So this, this week I've been, I think God's been trying to get my attention about something. Have you ever had a moment in your life like that where God's trying to get your attention with something so he starts to chase you around like with a megaphone? Have you ever kind of had that experience in your life? I think he's been trying to get through to me with a message and it's something, you know, when it's something so important and crucial that he starts like slapping you in the face and just kind of going, you know, you need to look at this, you need to look at this and he just pops it up everywhere in your life suddenly. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever had that, maybe it's just me, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because, you know, he's been kind of chasing you and he's, he's told you something 30 times but you only saw the last three or four. No, just me? Yeah, cool, all right, fair. <laughs> in this instance though, in last week's sermon, there was one line that, I don't know, I just almost just came out with and it was really strange. It wasn't really even in my notes. It was just a one-liner. And I paused in the moment and just went, oh, where did that come from? And kind of thought, like Holy Spirit prompting, there must be more to that. Um, and kind of just left it there. But then following that, I was listening to a Stephen Furtick message, literally like two days later on the Tuesday, which was his message from the previous Sunday. And he said the same line. And I was like, whoa, okay, man, that's, that's really weird. That's, that's bizarre. So I kind of paused there and went, okay, that's cool. My ears kind of pricked up and went, oh, that was weird, okay. And then we were at music practice on Wednesday night and we were watching a video teaching. And um, it was a Bethel video teaching. And as part of that, they said almost the same line in that. And I went, what? what? This, is, this is crazy. And then I was driving to Newman on Thursday and listening to another C3 Church's podcast and they said it too. So I went, okay, at this point I kind of get that God's kind of yelling at me going, this is something you need to communicate, man. So I kind of went, okay, I I get that, I get that. Do you want to know what it is? We'll get there. So about, (laughs) I'm going to tell you a story first. About six months ago, I discovered a new artist. 
This was a, a, a Christian singer that I loved the sound of. I found him on a playlist, and I really liked his sound. It kind of reminded me of, you know, like some of my earlier punk rock influences with like a Christian influence. And I mean, it, it, you know, it didn't have the anointing of Green Day on it, but it was, it was still pretty good. I really, I, I liked the vibe a lot. So I kind of downloaded the album, and I loved the sound of it, and I was cranking the album for a good solid couple of months, and I was listening to it heaps. And it's all I listened to over that time. It was just, I was just smashing it. And like... What I really liked about the album musically was that it just felt like something I would play back in high school. I loved the guitar solos, I loved the guitar tones, the vocal sound, it was just awesome. And I started to listen to the lyrics. Now, the album was written about what this guy was going through mentally at the time. And at the time of writing the album, he was in quite a place of depression and anxiety. But still coming at it from a godly perspective, this is a Christian artist, right? So I thought, man, this is, like, some of this is really relatable. So I was kind of listening to it and going through it, and that was really cool. But then over the space of these couple of months, I kind of started to not become okay. I started to get a little depressed myself and a little anxious, and my once strong faith and confidence in, in God started to waver a little bit, and I started to kind of go downhill with my own thoughts internally. And it took me a little while to realize that these two were actually connected. The two things were completely connected while this... Guy didn't mean to bring across the spirit of fear and anxiety in his music. It was what was going on in his season when he wrote the album. And so even though the album lyrically was speaking against it, it still had been written from a place of fear and anxiety, which, as we just read in 2 Timothy, is not from God. The album beneath the surface of the melodic guitar riffs and the solid drum fills was laced with this spirit of fear and anxiety. And so all this talk about it was starting to rub off on me. And I started to get fearful and anxious. And I started to get a little worried. And I felt like I was going through it a bit too, just like him. And I started to see situations a little differently. Things that wouldn't normally be a problem in my world started to make me a little anxious. I started to overthink myself in everything. And I lost some of my confidence. It was really weird. But I know that 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a, a fear of yeah, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And it made me wonder, right, if this album from a Christian artist is affecting me like this, then what kind of damage does some of the worldly influences do to me? Whether it be music or something else. Like, if I'm gaining a spirit of fear and anxiety through a Christian album, then how much of other people's baggage have I gained through some of the things that I allow to go on inside of my mind, whether it be music, whether it be a book, whether it be the news, whatever it is. But here's the deal, and this is what God was telling me all week long. He was saying that what we put into ourselves really matters more than you realise. And that, it seems so simple, but sometimes I think as children of God, we kind of forget that simple fact, don't we? I wonder what voices you and I are letting into our heads. I wonder, are they good for us? How are other people's perspectives tarnishing our view of the world around us? And here's an example from the life of a guy named Daniel. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel 1. It's going to come up on the screen as well. But this is what it says, Daniel 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah... King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim and Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects of the temple for God, of God. 
So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them there in a treasure house of his God. Note the lowercase g. That means it's not the God. It means it's his God, not a real God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief staff, to bring to the palace some young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said, and make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning. They're gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Now, Daniel, Hanakaniah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. So they have the opportunity now to live like kings, right? They're given food literally from the king's kitchen. And then verse 8 says, and this is the really interesting part, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine that were given to them by the king. He asked the chef of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, you see, I think Daniel knew what would happen if you put the wrong thing inside of him. And I think some of us have had an appetite for the wrong thing. Maybe you've been eating the wrong thing and you've been wondering why you've got a stomachache. And I'm not talking about food here. I'm talking about your spiritual appetite. Where are you feeding from? Who's preparing your meals? Can you trust them? Or do they put something a little funky in your last meal that's maybe giving you a spiritual gut ache? Did it taste a little off? Maybe it did. Because here's the thing. Only God is the one true master chef. Psalm 23 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And the thing is with this, though, that just because your enemy is present at the table too, it doesn't mean you have to eat his meal. Because your heavenly father has prepared something better for you. He's got something better for you there. He's prepared something bigger. And what's more is he knows exactly the area that you need the nourishment in. He knows what that is. It could be your finances. It could be your health. Maybe it's mental encouragement. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your job. Whatever it is, he knows and he always prepares the right spiritual food for you at the right time in his time. You just got to make sure that you seek his voice and not the voice of the enemy in that. Let's get back to the text. So verse 9. Now he's given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, <clears throat> I am afraid of the Lord, the king, who has ordered, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm afraid of the Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and compared to the other youth of your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. And Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel. Hanukkah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days of a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the young men who are eating the king's food and then make a decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. 
Daniel was strict about what he put in his body because he knew what he put in would affect what he got out of himself. But for you and I, it could be that something we're doing is letting something into ourselves. It could be a spirit of fear. It could be negativity. It could be other people's opinions. It could be a state of mind. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. Whatever it is, eventually it overflows out of us. Eventually it's going to overflow out of us. If we put in a spirit of fear, soon enough out will come a spirit of fear. If we put in a spirit of anxiety, soon enough out will come a spirit of anxiety. And here's the thing, we're called to be people who live in the overflow. People who live in the overflow. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And this is the bit that's important here. Then you will overflow. Everyone say overflow. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. But watch this. Watch this, right? Watch this. Don't be overflowing of the wrong thing. Don't be overflowing of the wrong thing. Have you ever met a bitter person? Someone who's really bitter and all that comes out of them is bitterness, self-centeredness, negativity, doubt, and that's just oozing out of them. You see, they're living in overflow too. They're living in overflow just like you are, except their overflow is different. Their overflow is not of God. So many of the wrong things that have built up in them is overflowing out of them. What are you letting in? It's your choice what you feed yourself with. How do you know if someone is overflowing with the right thing? Well, I think it overflows out of your mouth. I think that's a big part of it. How, how do you speak? That's a really good gauge to know where you're at. How do you speak? James 3, 7 says... People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9, sometimes it praises our Lord, our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth, pouring out, overflowing, right? Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. How does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Friends, we can't tame the tongue. We can't tame our tongue, and it pours out from overflow. So if we can't tame it and it's pouring out from overflow, then I wonder what would happen if we get better at filling ourselves with the Spirit of God so that when it overflows, when it bubbles out, there isn't any bitter water left to flow out. What voices are you letting in? What are you putting into yourself lately that's been bubbling out? What's the one thing that you're like, man, that's bubbling out because of this? What is it for you? Some of you might have been wondering why you've been feeling so negative lately. Maybe you've been wondering why you're feeling hurt. Maybe you've been wondering where this sudden burst of anxiety came from, it's time to look at what you're letting in. Then there also comes a point where you've got to ask yourself, not just what am I letting in, but who am I letting in? Who am I letting into my world? Am I letting God into my world or am I letting the enemy in? What am I consciously doing around that? Because if I'm letting God into my world, then God is love. 
And if I let him in and I get filled with the Spirit of God, then that's love. First John 4 says God is love. So if I get filled with love and then I overflow, out comes love. But if I get filled instead with fear and anxiety, which 2 Timothy 17 tells us again, did not come from God, then that's what's going to flow out of me. I want to be overflowing in love, so let's get some God in us, church. Let's get some God in us, church. Ben, can you guys jump back up with me, please? But the tension, I think, really comes from when you've been putting a voice into your head for a long time and God tells you no more. You've got a voice that you've been trusting for so long and he goes, no, that's not good for you anymore because that's really where the test is, isn't it? Because we tend to crawl back to what we know. But the secret here, I think, is to not just stop listening to that voice, but because the thing is, if you just stop listening to that voice, it will leave it void. There'll be a void, which eventually you'll feel with something and it'll probably lead you back there again. But to intentionally replace it with God's voice in place. For someone here today, I think the Holy Spirit is saying, you know that voice that you once trusted? Back when you were of the world? You've got to let that go. It's time to let that one go. It's time. And then maybe for other of us, he's saying, that's a great voice to follow. It could even be a Christian voice, but it's not good for this season for you. Because that can be a thing. Sometimes a voice that's perfectly good for someone else can be wrong for you. Would you stand to your feet, church? Could you imagine how much better our lives would be if we grasp this concept? If we just consciously think more about what we're feeding ourselves with, how are we feeding our spirit? What are we putting in it consciously? What a shift that would make. Now for someone here today, maybe you've never explored this Jesus thing before. Maybe you're like, this is my first time at church. Or maybe you're just coming back. I'm going to give you a chance in a moment to pray a prayer that's going to say, you know what, I want you in my life, God. I want you to lead me. I want you to steer me. And really what it is, is the prayer is a declaration for you to say, you know what, I'm making a decision right now. I'm deciding that I want God in my life. So if that's you, we're going to pray for you in just a moment. Because before you start the journey, you've got to really say yes to Him. You've got to surrender. You've got to repent. You've got to say sorry for not living His way and go, you know what, from now on, I'm going to do that, Lord. I'm going to do that. So with every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, if you're one of these three kinds of people, would you just pop your hand up in the air? If you're someone who's never known Jesus and you want to, thank you, I see you in the centre. If you're someone who's never known Him, but you've decided, you know what, I want to make this decision, then pop your hand up in the air this morning. You can do this online as well. Maybe you're someone who you knew Jesus once upon a time and then you went away from Him. Maybe you got separated for some reason. If that's you, I want you to pop your hand up in the air as well. And the third type of person I want to pray for this morning is someone who... Maybe you've been following God all your life, but you just don't know if you're going to heaven. Then I want to pray for you this morning as well so you have the assurance that you are. So with every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, would you just pop your hand up in the air if you're one of these three kinds of people? Don't delay, just do it. If God's willing you to do it, do it. Thank you, I see you in the centre, sir. Is there anyone else this morning that feels the burning inside them? God just kind of saying, you know what? I want this. Thank you, I see you at the back.
just going to wait a, a moment more for anyone who's sitting on the fence because God really wants relationship with you. We're designed to have relationship with Him. That's awesome. All right, let's pray this prayer together. We're all going to pray together, church, for the benefit of those who've never prayed it before. And this is how it goes. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Saviour of the world. I believe He died and rose again to forgive my sin and give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. Make me new. I'll follow you. That's incredible, church. Can we have a massive round of applause for the people that just prayed that for the very first time this morning? Man, that is phenomenal. That is one of the best decisions, if not the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Really, that is phenomenal. And please make sure you come up and find me or find someone you've seen on stage this morning because we've got some resources for you. We've got a Bible for you and some other bits and pieces. We want to help you on the journey. We'll give you contact details, all that kind of stuff. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing from our channel. And share with a friend because you never know who you're going to bless. You can also catch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30am Australian Western Standard Time. We'd love to see you there.